make an intentional investment in yourself. And if you look at history, look at wages, if you look at wealthy people versus non-wealthy people, a lot of them have made money through their skill set. I'll just put it that way. And I would say majority of people that I know that I would be willing to trade places when it comes to what they're currently doing, they have made massive investments in themselves as it relates to time, as it relates to coaching, as it relates to learning different things. And so I would make that a part of your investment strategy. Again, not investment advice. I hope it challenges the way that you think because a lot of times people think investment and living, and it's like, what if you took a little bit of that investment or a little bit of that living and intentionally invested into your ability to be more valuable, knowing that that is going to have a compound effect in the future. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. I am here with Harry Stout and we are in a series called Intentional Money Matters where we're going through a lot of incredible segments that are eye-opening, that are getting people to think differently. We just got done talking about the cash flow killers for 2022 and, and that was one of my favorites because again, the ripple effect that we're gonna see on all the things that are working against us are pretty insane. And in this episode, we're going to talk about you being your greatest asset and more importantly, like how we can practically protect and invest in ourselves. Because one of the maybe upsides or silver lining to 2022 is there's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity to invest in yourself. And so without further ado, before we jump in to what we have to talk about today, what does you being your greatest asset look like? And we talk about, you know, protecting it to investing in it? What does that look like practically before we get into some of the points that you've done research on? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, build your brand so that you could get a, always build your professional brand as you go company to company over your career will work. I think today it's making sure you have a skill set that you can sell to get enough money to live the life that you want to live. And it sounds rather simple, but in many ways, we've forgotten that, Caleb. So many people went to college and they got a degree and they can't find a job that gives them enough cash to live. Yep. And let me tell you something. I would have loved to study uh, history, art, and culture in college. I went to college to get a job. And that's uh, that was my objective because I had to. But unfortunately, I think today you need to, too. So I think it all starts with getting the education necessary that's going to enable you to earn an income. And I don't want, I'm sorry for folks, I don't want to rain on your passion parade, yeah. but it could very well be that then you you study your passion on the side. Yeah. And maybe over time, the passion becomes a side gang or becomes a business that works for you. But you, know, you really need to get that education so that you yeah. can become employed and make money. Not all skill sets are valued the same. And, and it's just one of those things that I, I think being practical, you know, it's like, how do you know if something is you know, valuable or not, a supply and demand. So is there demand for the skill set that you're learning? And then everything has a supply and demand curve. You know, a heart surgeon is valued a little bit higher than someone who's a plumber. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It means that when you look at the skill set, we as a society value a heart surgeon and are willing to pay that person more for the services that they're providing. And so Obviously, it takes more time and energy. It's very hard to become a surgeon uh, versus other careers. So it's one of those things that's trade-off, but we have to be thinking in everything, 
with value, knowing that money follows value, and and really skill sets are are one of the things that we all have, and really being able to audit that. So I am yeah, so, really excited that we're going to be talking about this today. Yeah. So Caleb, if you build on what you said, one of the things I say to folks is, you know, not everyone should go to college. I'm an advocate of professional or occupational training. And where I live, plumbers do really well. I mean, the gentleman has a great business that does that does my work. And he's a very bright man and he's got a great business and he employs a number of people. So I think either way, you can go the you can go the occupational route. You yep. could go, you can go the educational route. Because fundamentally, where do you get skills? You get skills through education yep. or you get skills through experience. Right. And what I used to do in my career was I always volunteered for all the crazy stuff. So if they had a project and they wanted us to go, I'll give you a great example. When I was a younger man, one of the projects I had was to try develop an HIV health insurance policy. Wow. So my employer sent me all around the country talking to the top HIV specialists to see whether or not they thought we could do it. And I came, we came up with a design. Yeah. And ultimately what those doctors said was going to happen, happen, which would be that HIV would move from becoming a, a, a terrible illness to a chronic illness, which is what's happened over time. But uh, I always took the different assignment. And why? Because you, do, you, you get introduced to different things. You build different skills, different experiences. Now, I had an education that was a good education, but yeah. those other experiences really helped. And I think today, companies are, are hiring skills. And if, you know, and a lot of companies are saying, you know, they don't, it doesn't matter so much if you got the college degree, but do you have the skills? Mm -hmm. And I had a young gentleman on a, a mentoring call called me. He's uh, 19 years of age and his dad asked me to talk to him and he's got a great little software business going. Awesome. And he's, he's told me what his business plan was, what he was doing, what the particulars were. I called his dad back and said, he's on a good track. He said, wow. what? he said, what? We, I, he dropped out of school, Harry, he dropped out of school. And I said, well, I don't think that matters in this. I think he's fine. He's got, he's going to do well. And he was, he was um, organized, focused. He knew what he was going to do. And so I felt really, I said, it's great. And uh, he's got a good little business. But so as you look at this, you know, we all sit down with the problem. We, we've got to keep our income going our whole lives. Yeah. Unless you're a, uh, unless you're a trust baby or someone decides to give you a fortunate birth that you can live on the rest of your life. We all yeah. need incomes. And I think the problem that we have when we look at this, Caleb, we don't look at as we don't look at it on a life cycle basis. We just look at it at different periods of time in our life. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are ways you need to look at it and different things you need to do. So one of the things I've been a real advocate of is there may be times in our careers where we have to reskill. So when you look at this, and what reskill would mean is I'm an airline pilot, I can't fly anymore. What do I do? Yeah. I mean, you know, what 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 other career do I do yeah. I take on? Do I go back for a year or two and get a graduate degree in a different subject? Uh, you know, what can I do? Do I become a data scientist? Which, by the way, yeah. is the only job in America which I think guaranteed full employment is to become a data scientist because we 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 can't create enough of them. By the way, wow, interesting story, but we can't. But that'd be a great story. But reskilling, you may have to reskill. Mm. during your during your life. So as you look at this continuum of your entire working life and how you protect your income, you, you might have to look objectively at what you're doing and say, wait a minute, is this long term? 
Mm. You know, I'm producing, I'm producing compact disc. Is this going to work on the long term? Maybe I need to look at something different and new. Yeah. Yeah. So reskilling is an issue. I think the other, the other issue, which relates more to people who work, is upskilling. And I think a lot of times we forget about it, right? I mean, I've been an advocate. I've seen it different ways. The five-hour rule, you may have seen this written about where spend an hour a day for your five working days to improving your skill set and looking to grow the five-hour rule. I've always had the one-hour rule a day. I do it seven days a week. Hour of reading. What do I do to improve me? What do I do to improve uh, my ability to deliver uh, all the roles in my life? But that upskilling today, I mean, do I work on team skills? Do I work on collaboration? Do I work on project management? Should I work on different software languages? What should I do? Should I improve my SEO skills? Should I improve my digital marketing skills? All those things. So you, you, you have this upskilling. I think you have to do your whole career because the model that we've had in our country for education, even in college, kind of goes back to post-World War II. In the sense that we thought after people went to four years of college, we'd give them a skill set that would last them their whole career. And today, things are moving so fast. Lifelong learning is so key, right? We we have to learn things on a life. You have to keep learning all the time. So, so so what's the difference between reskilling and upskilling? Like I I see them as similar. Is one like in the same vertical? Like, hey, I'm I'm working in this job and I'm just going to continue to improve and be more valuable at that job versus the other reskilling is just like, hey, no longer do I want to be doing this occupation. I got to learn a whole different skill. Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. That's the difference between the two. If I'm a, um, a wire telephone operator versus yeah. a cell phone specialist, yeah. you might want to take learn the skills necessary, upskill it so you can then handle the cellular world from the analog world. Yeah. And the difference between these two really gets around to who's going to pay for it too, Caleb. That's right. And th- and that's that's a real problem today. Now, some companies, Amazon, Google, I've read, they they're putting money into upskilling. So they're trying to help their people who come in and work in the distribution warehouse, let, let them get different sets of skills so they could qualify for more technical and better jobs. But if if you don't have anyone who's going to pay for your upskilling or your reskilling, you're going to have to pay for it if you want to increase your income over time. So let's talk about practically how do you do that? Because I'm a huge, huge fan of investing in yourself. I think it's one of the reasons why we're at where we're at as a company. If you look at my Audible, you'll laugh. There's like you could scroll for a very long time. I'm always reading, love learning. Right now I'm learning how to breathe. <laughs> I'm really investing in like, man, how do I breathe to be more optimal? And it's it's an example, I guess you could say, of upskilling because you know the thesis I have is if I learn to be more effective in my health and other areas, I'll be a better communicator, I'll be a better leader, I'll be a better mm-hmm. husband, and that will translate. What is a practical guide for somebody that wants to upskill or wants to reskill? Any, any wisdom that you have or advice that you can give them? Yeah, I, I do twofold. I think first off, you have time. So invest some of your valuable time. And I think if you set away that hour a day and be disciplined about it, it, when I first started my career, and and you'll laugh, I think you'll laugh at this one. The big thing was to to get into the office as early as possible, to grab the Wall Street Journal as it was either off, off the rack or if it was dropped off in the lobby, read the Wall Street Journal and then summarize the key articles for the senior person you were working with and let him or her know that these five things happened that they should pay attention to. So 
So you have time. So today there's so many free things. And we talk about personal finance. We have this, we have podcasts, websites, all sorts of available content. So I think you have time. You just need to focus in on it. Now I know it's hard for people with young children and so on. All that's difficult, but you have to figure out a way to fit it in because you know, we talk about cash flow and budgets. Income is as important as outflow. So you want to increase that income. So I think that's number one. The second thing I think people need to do, Caleb, is they need to protect themselves a little bit by maybe putting a little bit away in their emergency fund. And maybe it's a bigger amount to to fund some personal training, some experiences that they may want to do on the weekend. Uh, They may want to go to a retreat of some sort. They may want to take an online course. They may want to do that. Now, if I'm in a profession that looks like technology may change, I might want to have more money set aside because I may need to take a year off and reskill to get qualified for a new job. So I think the two things you can do, make maximum use of your time and then put some money away so that you can pay for either upskilling or reskilling yourself. Yeah. I, I would say this, and it's based on what you just said, is make an intentional investment in yourself. And I mean, if you, I think it's if you look at history, look at wages, if you look at wealthy people versus non-wealthy people, a lot of them have um, made money through their skill set. I'll just put it that way. And I would say majority of people that I know that I would be willing to trade places when it comes to what they're currently doing um, – they have made massive investments in themselves as it relates to time, as it relates to coaching, as it relates to learning different things. And so I would make that a part of your investment strategy. Again, not investment advice. I just, it, I hope it challenges the way that you think because a lot of times people think investment and living. And it's like, what if you took a little bit of that investment or a little bit of that living and intentionally invested into your ability to be more valuable, knowing that that is going to have a compound effect in the future? Oh, no, that, that's exactly right. And when you think about what you've just discussed, Caleb, those, those are actions that you control. Yep. So you have control, you have control over your time, your investment, you, you can control those. So upskilling and reskilling are actions you, you can take, you have control over. Yep. Now, let's go to a third concept or third point. Suppose you're doing the upskilling and reskilling, but you get a chronic illness yep. or a critical illness and you can't work. Mm. Not your fault, nothing you can control. It's just something that happened to you. That's where I think people need to to look at this and say, look, I better get some income protection in place. Either, and we, I think you and I've had this conversation, we we, we love calling it income protection insurance, whereas the industry calls it disability insurance, okay? But you need to have some protection. Mm-hmm. Now, you might get that protection through work because a lot of companies offer you short-term and long-term disability, but similar to corporate provided life insurance, if you don't work there, you don't have those benefits. So right. you probably should have some long-term income protection that you own individually. I mean, you should own that as an individual policy so it stays with you your whole career. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a great example of how this works. I recommended that my team get long-term protection years ago. And this is a true story. One gentleman on the team who I hadn't seen in a number of years called me about six years ago and thanked me. He said, Harry, I've just been diagnosed with an illness. I can't work any longer, but guess what? I get paid for the next eight years, but I get paid from 57 to 65 
because of that policy you suggested that I buy. Powerful. And that was, it was, and it was, I felt, I, it really took me aback. And I remember, yeah, we did that. I said, look, guys, look, you, you got to get protection in place for your families. And um, so I think having that long-term protection in place, long-term yeah. income, dis, income protection, disability insurance, I mean, typically it costs about one to 4% of the benefit you're buying. And again, and this is not a segment on disability insurance, but you can buy disability insurance for short periods of time, for long periods of time. You can buy various different benefits and so on. But if you haven't looked at it, you're more likely to become disabled than you are to die. So you you ought to take a look at it and and find out if you've got protection somewhere. But that's all part of the continuum because the key here is to keep your cash flow going your whole life. We agree. The disability insurance is a horribly marketed, like no one wants to be disabled. But when you start looking at like how many people know of someone who's suffered and died from cancer or other things, you start thinking like, wow, this net is maybe a little bit bigger than slipping on a sidewalk and becoming disabled. And so highly encourage people look into that. If you're wanting to know more information, you can go to betterwealth.com and schedule a clarity call and we can put you in touch with our specialist. Uh, because it is something that, again, we don't talk a ton about because it's not necessarily the most exciting thing to talk about. But if you believe that you are your greatest asset and your ability to earn income through your skill sets, if that's important and you're you're relying on that, there's an ability to ensure that cash flow, uh, which is really powerful. And um, and so just echoing everything that you're saying and appreciate yeah, you bringing up that point. And in particular, Caleb, you know, someone's younger, it's just like life insurance. If you buy it at younger ages, it's cheaper. Yep. And you just need to have it because I've seen people go through tough times. I've seen people have life events take place that they didn't expect at all, a lot of illnesses and so on. But think about this. So keep your skill, you know, get the right education or experience. Continue to, if you have to reskill, reskill. If you have to upscale, upskill, upskill, and then have insurance in place for the unexpected. And, And the last part, which is I think America is just starting to awaken to this, is you still need income when you stop working (laughs) and that income just can't be social security. So that's where retirement income, retirement planning comes in and taking a look at your whole of life and making sure that you're, you're putting the things in place. Now, you know, we, we talk about that today where you have to have private savings to properly cover you for, to help you generate the income you need when you stop working. We've talked, we haven't talked about in depth, but annuities are there. Yeah. Cash value life insurance is fantastic. That's a strategy that I, I'm using now. People don't understand it, by the way. They say, what, what is that? And I say, well, here's what I do. And that's tax-free? Yeah, it's, it's the way you do it. So, And I know that with the end asset and the work that, I mean, it's yeah. it's there and it's a great strategy. Mm-hmm. But these are all things that you need to do because you, you're going to need income for your whole of life. And pe- we're all, regardless of COVID, we are living longer. Most young people today, I mean, you're going to live into your 90s. And so uh, that's the wonderful thing. But how do you pay for all those years of life and keep your lifestyle too? Yeah. Because you don't want to lose that lifestyle. So to me, those are the four things that, Caleb, that you need to do to protect your greatest asset, your income. So if you're watching this on YouTube, comment down below, what do you resonate most with? Reskill, upskill, ensuring your income or planning for a future income. And it really is all based around you being your greatest asset, producing cash flow now and in the future. I love this, man. I, You know, this is one of my favorite topics uh, because 
when we're coaching people, it's very, very clear the people that are fulfilled and successful know like know their worth internally and, and do everything they can to maximize that. And I just love that that's what we're talking about. And is there any is there any final thoughts that you have as it relates to reskilling, upskilling, protecting future cash flow? No, I mean I I love the buzz line. You know, save now, live well later, and 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 versus buy now, pay later. Yeah. Save, you know, save now and live well later. And I think you have to look at your whole life because if you do, and maybe you live less of a lifestyle when you're younger, you'll live more of a lifestyle later on, and it will have a it'll have a fundamental effect on your life, and it, it'll make your life of a much higher quality than if you had not. I love it. All right, we'll leave it at that. I appreciate you being on. Share this episode if you find this helpful, or if you find that this could really challenge someone that you know that maybe needs to reskill or upskill their life. And again, we read all the comments. So I, I love and appreciate people taking time out of their day to maybe put what their biggest takeaway was as it relates to this segment. Thank you, Harry. You're welcome, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.